In 2020, riots erupted across the country. Criminals posing as protesters destroyed billions of dollars in property, and they harmed an untold amount of people. In some cases, people died. It was a crazy time that we'll always remember. But perhaps more memorable is how our political leaders reacted. They kneeled before the mob. They defended the mob as mostly peaceful, and they sought to defund the police. In a time when they needed to be at their most sensible, many of our lawmakers encouraged lawlessness. And now, the lawmakers who knelt at the feet of criminals, they want to restrict your right to self-defense. Their reasoning? Because there are too many evil maniacs running around and killing innocent people. Their answer to this is to disarm you, the law-abiding citizen. But what they really want to do, and few are brave enough to admit it, is they want to completely do away with the Second Amendment. In this episode, my guests and I will be discussing why today is a bad, a very bad time for gun control, and we'll look at the real cause of mass shootings. So in order to get the word out, I urge you to please share this with others, and don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. I'm Paul Dragu, and this is Freedom is the Cure. My guest today is Zoe Warren, the host of Two A for Today on The New American. Zoe is also a filmmaker and a candidate for South Carolina Lieutenant Governor. Zoe, thank you so much for joining me. Greetings. How are you, Paul? <laughs> I, am, I am well, sir. So, Zoe, um, another deranged person has gone and uh, he, he's killed a school full of children, uh, a classroom full of children, man. And hours ago, I don't know if you've been keeping up with the news, but we just learned that there was another shooting in Oklahoma. I think the details are still uh, coming out on that. Uh, all of this is clearly concerning. Uh, but meanwhile, on the left, uh, the lawmakers on the left and our pro- propaganda broadcasters are calling for all sorts of gun control measures. Yeah. So is there anything wrong with these uh, taking these weapons of war off the streets or having mentally ill psychiatric profession that can't even tell the difference between a boy and a girl determine who's too mentally ill to have a gun? What are your thoughts on on what's happening? Well, my thoughts are that generally speaking, they the, those same groups that will be the people who qualify, those who should be able to carry weapons, um, would say that people who believe that God exists are the crazy ones too, and they need to be on that list. And so my concern is, you know, who's getting the, uh, the authority to put people in on the list and take people off the list? <laughs> because I know some folks that should be on the list, uh, you know, like Hillary Clinton, <laughs> you know, but they won't be on the list, you know. So with that said, and uh, forgive me for my, I'm just being funny with Hillary, you know, I don't want to be suicided. So I, I, my heart is that <laughs> there's a problem with the idea that disarming good people are making it more difficult for good people. And I say that because the only people that are going to disarm are good people. The only people that are going to follow the law are good people. Bad people don't follow the laws that exist already. Now, there's two different kinds of law. You know, there's reactive and and proactive. Um, There are ways to mitigate things and there's, you know, ways to punish people. And, um, the difficulty with gun control laws is it's not the same as like the abortion law. Like the, there was this meme I saw that said, you know, if you, you know, take away a woman's right to have an abortion, then she'll just go get one anyway. 
and it had gun owners on it and their face was like Nicolas Cage from the meme going, yeah, see okay. how that works. And the only difference is that every abortion kills somebody. In any abortion, one person does not walk away. <laughs> but the gun, it's different because lots of guns are purchased. I mean, millions and billions of guns have been purchased and nobody's died as a consequence of the guns being purchased. And so there's a huge difference between the, uh, you know, buying a gun and having an abortion. People say you can't legislate morality. Well, you know, what I can do is I can be sure that the, the legislation I put forth is moral. It's immoral for me to reduce someone's ability to protect themselves, you know? And so you ask the question, should, you know, we take weapons of war off the street? And, and my heart is, you know, honestly, if we had a pol an armed society, we would have a polite one. <laughs> yeah. Well, People that's, that, let's, re weapons of war, they, that's what they call the ARs, the high capacity on, and whatnot. And that's one of the biggest arguments. And, you know, I, I actually, I know lots of gun owners and I know we, few of them actually don't have an AR and none of them do kill people. But we know that these people are using ARs, the guy in Texas and others and whatnot. Um, is there, what's wrong with taking ARs off the street, say, banning them like we did, I don't, I guess in the 90s or whatnot. Is there anything wrong? What, what are your thoughts? My yeah. thoughts are that banning an AR-15 um, is not going to prevent people from doing the same amount of murdering they're doing with them right now. To be perfectly fair, rifles as a whole category or class of, of firearm are responsible for a minuscule yeah. amount of the murders every I'm talking like a, a hair's breath. Right. I've seen um, the DOJ numbers on that, yeah even in mass shootings. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I hate to use some of the black communities as an example, but I mean, truly we got places in America that have Mogadishu level murder rates, like 59 out of a hundred, you like know, or, or no, excuse me, a thousand, down to a thousand. And so uh, the, the, the difficulty we face with a murder rate that is so high. And I think it was 59,000. I'll, I'll check that and I'll send it to you. I can't remember exactly right now. For some reason, it slipped my mind. But it, like in Pakistan, it's 100,000. That's what it is. 59 out of 100,000. In Pakistan, it's seven out of 100,000. We have communities in America that's 59, like Mogadishu, like straight up Somalia uh, killing people. And it doesn't have anything to do with the type of weapon. It's not a bunch of black folks running around with AR-15s. It's handguns. Yeah. The, the, the vast majority of the deaths even in our country related to, hang, to, to gun use is, is suicide. Yeah. And I'm not trying to say we should increase suicides or we should, you know, dismiss the fact that, you know, there's so many mass murders in these black communities as, as well. But the idea is that if we're going to do legislate, we need to legislate morally. We need to do what makes sense. And to me, what makes sense is that we are going the wrong direction. The murder rate's not changing. The gun control laws do not actually decrease any murder. It actually increases. Every place you find these gun control laws being employed in America, the, the, the murder rate goes up. The what about the argument that if, you know, in Chicago, I, I don't know if you've heard this argument, 
A, a, a large argument made by officials there is that the guns are coming in from Indiana or other more gun-friendly state. I'm, I'm sure you've heard that. Uh, and so we're going to get to a moment, and we're going to get to a moment what the real goal is, which is to repeal the, the Second Amendment. But what about that, that argument that if we were to, to really restrict nationwide guns, and including registration, I want to talk about that too, what that really means, because that sounds benign too, but we know it's not. But that argument that if we were going to restrict guns nationwide, then we wouldn't have, perhaps, we wouldn't have guns coming from Indiana, going into Chicago, where we have this massive gun, uh, you know, gun deaths. What are your thoughts on that? Well, explain Nicaragua. <laughs> you know, explain some of the uh, South American countries that have some of the worst uh, casualty by gun numbers in the world. You know, it's not Indiana next to them i mean i think mexico has got massive it, it doesn't matter if there is a gun Mexico's run by the cartels right the cartels right. are they fault they, they create their laws you you even the police go into the areas run by cartels and they abide by the cartels law right they, they they act differently when they walk into the cartel they don't go in there and just arrest everybody which they really could because they've all broken the law I mean, so the, the reality is that we're not supposed to be depending on a law enforcement agency to protect each other. I mean, matter of fact, the, the Supreme Court of the United States has said on multiple occasions that police have no obligation to protect anyone not in their custody. So if yeah, they what have case no was that? Do you know the name uh, of the know, case? I, I don't know the name of the case, but it's, it's been they've said it like six or seven times. It's not even one case. It's like <laughs> in, 80, in the 80s and the 90s, 2000s. They've said it over and over and over again. And and well, I'll, I'll look that up, too. I have it. At a, yeah, we'll put that up. But, um, the reality is that there is no obligation for police to protect anyone not in their custody. And with that knowledge, who is supposed to protect us? Who's tasked with that job? Is it legislators? Or will they be? I mean, are they accountable if, if we're not safe? Who, who gets held accountable? Only the victims. Yeah. We're supposed to be protecting each other, you know? And so because we have divorced ourselves from reality and we've kind of uh, enjoined ourselves to policy stupid, policy perversion, policy that's, that's really immoral. I mean, even our founders, but Thomas Jefferson, I mean, it, he said it very clearly that you know, gun laws that restrict gun purchases of good people, they only actually make the vulnerable more vulnerable. They only work to empower criminals. Well, and especially in we there's what five between 500 and 600 million guns flowing in the United States. Right. We are at a point where even if you do outlaw guns or whatever, where are they going? They're not going anywhere. Yeah. You don't think I mean, so we're past that point even if you were to ban them i find this um it drives me nuts we're, we're a society we're overflowing with weapons and if you like you said if we make it illegal it's just going to be the law abiding it's going to be the law abiding who are actually going to be a law abiding and the criminals are going to keep doing their thing like these guys going around killing people it's illegal to kill people already <laughs> I, I man, I don't want to laugh you're, unless you're a mother with a child in your womb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What about red flag laws? Uh, this seems to be something that a lot of folks are getting, including of Republican 
legislators. And the reason I mention the Republican legislators is because their constituents are the kind who would most likely be against this. What is wrong with uh, red flag laws, uh, aside from, you know, as I mentioned in my openings somewhat, I don't really trust the psychiatric uh, profession. These are people who cannot admit that a boy is a boy and a girl is a girl. Do you fi find anything else wrong with with red flag laws in addition to that, if yeah, you even agree? I, I think legislating things based on science is kind of silly too in some in some ways because science is always changing. And that and that's like the benefit of science. When I when I talk about how, you know, there, it, it was it wasn't climate change before, it was global cooling. Then it became global warming. Yeah. Then it, be, then it became global cooling again. <laughs> then it became climate change. And and the arguments are always evolving and changing. And they often will contradict themselves because they didn't have information they have now. You know, so making laws based on that kind of thing, like what one physician believes is reasonable, it, it'll be different for another physician. It'll be different because they have different information, you know. And so I think it's pretty foolhardy to think that that's an actual workable, reasonable solution. Like I could say that, you know, well, maybe perhaps we'll hit, we'll shoot five and two of them, one of them may have been dangerous, you know, but we, the other three would have been, would be oppressed. That's why we have the system of government we have right now. That's why we have the, this American form of Republic with dual federal system, you know, uh, because and it reduces the amount of oppression that's the national government's able to impose on the people. Having the national government make some kind of stupid one-size-fits-all blanket decision uh, concerning, you know, red flag laws that people can employ, that, I think that's really silly. Uh, and especially, like you said, to your point, that the people that are going to be making the decisions, largely, I don't agree with them about anything. And, and because I don't agree with them about the biology of a woman, they want to cancel me from everything. Why wouldn't they want to delete me from the ability to have guns too? Right. And I mean, even in, in, in what, what mental condition is enough to trigger saying, okay, this guy should not have a weapon because at what point has, haven't all of us been depressed, right? <laughs> or anxious. And especially now you have an entire country of the world. They've, they've implemented these, these massively insane policies, you know, and, and people, you know, the reports are widespread. Uh, anxiety is up, depression is up, substance abuse is up. And, you know, how, how, speaking of, what, what role do you think that plays in what is happening out there? What role has our culture gone into creating these maniacs who didn't exist? I don't, you know, there used to be more guns per capita, and we didn't have these people going in and doing this. This is, so, uh, what's going on with our culture, though? Bro, those who reject God, the nation that rejects God, it turns to hell. And it, over and over and over again, we see hell encroaching. And I mean, unless you only want to be a nation at peace for a short period of time, you know, you start with what makes sense. And then over time, you, you depart from that because you have peace. And because you have peace, you forget that things that are not going to produce peace um, <laughs> are not going to produce peace. And so you start employing things and putting in policy that does not produce peace and you end up with a country that's devastated. And I think that's what we've done in America. It's kind of silly to me that um, as we have state sanctioned the destruction of our country, we have state sanctioned producing immoral and irreligious children. I mean, if you look at our laws, some of our laws say that 
you know, the money for public schools cannot be used for religious institutions to, to teach children. So that means even though I may have the best curriculum with the best teachers that are the most moral in the world, and we don't teach about Jesus at all. We just got the term Jesus in the name of our building or the name of our institution. The money uh, can't follow the children there. And so we're divorcing people from, I mean, truly most of the founders agreed that the foundation of our country is being a moral religious people, that Christianity, that religion, that morality, that those things are in integral to having a virtuous society. And without a virtuous society, you're not going to have a society for long. And so because we state, we by way of law, we have divorced the ability for the state to send children to places where they're going to learn to be moral and religious. We're actually producing ungovernable children. Our founder, John Adams, says our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people, and it's wholly inadequate to the government of any other. That means our public school systems are, by virtue of existence and the law, producing ungovernable children. Wow. Yeah. And and they're, we're producing people who have a lack of respect for life, our, our policies, and would you would you agree between abortion and and even this uh, this gender fluid ideology? Do you think that plays any role in how people view themselves and other people, or does it devalue yeah. our humanity, our uniqueness? Yeah, I think that that's another problem too. Is generally speaking, we have a apparatus, and it's still in the public schools. That is, I mean, that's the apparatus that's training these people. And I mean, our society is decaying. You can see it, it's pretty obvious. But they go in, and especially like young white children, okay? They go in and they're told by just because of their skin color, they have a problem. And that problem is they've inherited advantage because of their whiteness. And that means that they are now supreme. And in order to, to combat that, we need to cut off your fingers and your, and your knees so that you can not be able to use that advantage because these other kids don't have it okay right. so now they're being told that being handicapped is cool being who you are is not being white even is not cool and so th these children who are very impressionable who suffer from all sorts of dissociative things as they're growing and developing um they're being convinced that being a minority is the hip thing it's the thing you should be and now i can't be a minority because i can't become black because you know rachel dalzell did that and that didn't go well for her so what am i going to do i'll become one of the spectrum of the alphabet i'll become something else that seems to be accessible as you know good and and so i can do that and so the intersectionality that spectrum of of sexuality all that is is a departure from reality is there is there a link between like are, are white folks more likely to to have some sort of gender fluid you know uh experiences is that do you know or is that just a theory of your... to to a degree um i i think that there is a lot there are a lot more white children and so it's it was the it's the best way for them to affect the most amount of people the fastest you know and so that's just one example you know, and I don't think maybe white people necessarily are the only ones getting sucked up into that because the more that type of thinking 
affects the children, the more they start thinking the cool thing to do, the cool thing to be is in that intersectional spectrum. And if you're not in that intersectional spectrum, you're cisgender, you're whatever these things, these people, even that idea that the basic foundational family, mom, dad, male, female uh, with children is bad. So what's good? Well, this spectrum, this intersectionality. Yeah. So now these young impressionable people are pushed into this thing and there's no satisfaction really in that. As a matter of fact, they're always changing going from one to the next because they don't, they're never really satisfied. There's a lot of people that want to reverse some even surgeries they've had and they're just yeah. mortified to find out that there's no going back, you know? And so it, it, that's why I think even like, you know, I mean, we don't want to, I don't want to get into saying everybody should become Christian in the, in the by, by way of the public school system, but there is a, there is a virtue from the word that's really important and it's that you know god loves you you know and not only does he love you but the person that you know you were that sinful person or whatever he's got a plan for you to be able to put that person to death completely you know and become something new in him and that new thing in him is the best you could ever be period and it's it's because of relationship with him and so that that part is is missing we our children go to rome for i mean um, the majority of the day they come home they eat some food and they go to sleep for the rest of the day the majority of their time is being invested in this this pathology i mean yeah. this, uh, and and so then they go to church maybe for a couple of hours on sunday you know and if, we're if lucky, they go at all that, if they go that. at all yeah because well, and uh I mean, touching on that, we know that uh, here at the John Birch Society, one of the reasons we do have our Save Our Children from Public Schools action project is because of the destructiveness, the harm, the damage, uh, the emotional that it causes. And when we wrote that campaign, we didn't even mention, you know, the danger, the, just the physical danger that our kids are, uh, our kids are in. I, and we're not trying to exploit what is happening, but as parents, now you have even more reason to pull your children out. You almost have no reason to have them in it. And we understand, I understand, you know, and I think you would too, that for some, I don't know if your kids are in public schools or if you guys are homeschooling, but even for those who, who want to homeschool or they want to private school, it's not easy. It's not easy, especially, you know, uh, wages going down and whatnot. But, you know, uh, we would urge you to do whatever you can. So with all that saying, it's like, we have created this atmosphere, this environment that is likely to create these people, these, you know, they're psychotic. I think that's, I think they, that's, a, that's a good term. They're possessed. I, I'm like you, I'm a Christian. I, I happen to believe that anyone who is capable of walking into a classroom and taking the lives of that many children, I think that is, that's demon possession. That's, you know, I don't think it gets any more clear. I can't than argue that. with that. I can't yeah. argue with that. <laughs> now, so we've set up these policies. We've created this, this, this environment. And then we're coming back to like, you know, the more materialistic. The real goal is, and now they're saying it, those who have been pushing and saying for gun control, for restrictions, we're not taking your gun rights. What they really want, what they really want, and, and a lot of it, I would say some of it is speculation, some is not. What they really want is they want to do away with the second opinion. I'm the second, the second amendment. You know, just just slight reading over preparing for this, I was able to find just a few 
uh, headlines talking where where they talk and it's it comes from the major broadcasters you know the 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 highest tier of propagandists we're talking about the washington post a supreme court justice solution to gun violence repeal the second amendment again the new york times on the same justice john paul stevens repeal the second amendment here we have the nation it's been around for a long time it's time to repeal and replace the second amendment and then we have the new republic Democrats need to start talking about repealing the Second Amendment. Okay, this is, we, is there any doubt that there are those lawmakers and there will be an effort and there has been an effort for what, this really, what they really want? We saw what's happening in Canada. They want to repeal the Second Amendment, right? Yeah. Why, why is the Second Amendment so crucial, so why is our right to self-defense so crucial? Let's, this is what you love to do. You really d love to dig down into what this means. So have at it, my friend. Well, you know, I'm kind of uh, distracted a little bit, so I may have to have you ask that question again, because I'm like, I, I think I wanna, if I can, kind of just fall back into the last conversation, just to, just for a moment. Okay. We, we have a society that has departed from loving our neighbor as ourselves from treating people the way they want to be treated, right? And that's what the whole critical race theory, um, the bullying uh, of intersectionality at schools and, and the way that they're, that it's all tied together as like that we need to not love our neighbor as ourselves, not, not, but to treat people in a way that we wouldn't want to be treated to create, you know, some kind of justice, equity, whatever. I mean, that's why they are able to say the things they say about other people, you know? Uh, I mean, and with that said, because of that disconnect and that bullying and that not loving their neighbor as themselves, not um, it, it produces a people who have, I mean, depression, who have anxieties, who have, there, there, there's no peace in that system because it's a constant uh, insatiable, uh, I am not good enough. You're sowing the negative and you're reaping it. It's 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 karma, whatever you want to call it. You don't believe in God. That's fine. You most people understand the things you do to people can come around back to you. Right. And so if you're caught up in that system, it's going to produce something. And in my opinion, it's producing a people that have are, are, they're walking and they're mentally ill to some degree. And I, I, obviously, I think the solution is, you know, come to Jesus, you know, but have a pandemic idea, of mental illness, huh? Yes, we have a pandemic of mental illness. These same people that you're saying that want to determine whether or not Baldragu is able to carry a weapon have not successfully cured the public of mental illness, their primary job. And mm -hmm. now they're going to determine who, who gets to carry a gun. Do your job. Yeah. <laughs> do it better. Maybe don't do your job. Maybe you are doing your job. Maybe your job is to, to create this discord and chaos in society by way of stupid ideas you know but the, the 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 point is i just wanted to kind of touch on that because that i wanted to, to really tie that together that i think it's through that bullying it's through that system of like you know condemnation of an entire people group for things that they have no control over you know so anyway uh, your, your question again <laughs> second amendment i know they're coming after it right yeah 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 <laughs> why is it important why is it let's really dig down why is the second amendment so important We're, we seem to be the only civilized nation you hear this who has this problem and who has this much access to to weapons what is the point in us defending such a right well i mean you know every society around the country 
excuse me, around the world that does not have the same attitude as our country uh, about, you know, gun rights. And they, they all eventually fall prey to some form of national government or state government tyranny. And now, should Even I Canada, always... Who's banning them? I mean, I mean <laughs> yeah. I mean, look at Australia. Australia's got a sorry day. You know, because a bunch of people that couldn't defend themselves had their children stripped from them in the uh, early 1900s. You know, uh, they were the, uh, I guess, the Aboriginal children, you know. And so the, the reality is that government government growing is never a good thing for a community. Well, look what they did but, in Australia. They put those, they, they came up with COVID camps. They threw people right. in COVID camps in Australia. Right. I'm sorry to interrupt. Keep going. No, 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 no interruption at all. But what what's happening is that because we've divorced ourselves from reality, our founder, one of our founders, uh, he said that, um, as a matter of fact, no, excuse me, let me go to the Constitution. The Constitution, um, the only means by which a community or a state can be secure, they said, was a militia. You know, a well-trained or well-regulated militia. Necessary. It's the only time in the whole Constitution that a duty is referred to as necessary. <laughs> not the president, not Congress, not the governors, but the militia. And so we, we've divorced ourselves from understanding what makes a community secure. Because we thought that gun control laws and all these experiments um, may help, but they don't. They actually don't change the game. It's just a shell game. The same amount of people are harmed. The same kind of issues take place. The people who want to kill people change weapons. I mean, a, a port from a from a knife is generally harder to stop bleeding than a bullet wound. More, more people die that are actually stabbed uh, from their wounds than die from bullet wounds. So the reality is that like we are producing a society that has divorced itself from understanding what reality looks like. Reality is that we should be protecting one another. Just this, destroying the Second Amendment means that we're going the complete opposite of what our founders understood to make a community secure. And they created the foundation of the country, right? Mm -hmm. The constitution we have, that if they're like, we need to repeal X or Y or Z and the second amendment's in what they want to repeal, then they are divorced from reality. They are surrounded by armed people themselves. They're the kind of people who can afford a ring on their house. They're the kind, they're the kind of people who have, you know, that can afford security. They go to places that are secured by armed people and right. they don't have to carry themselves, right? We don't live in that world. We, we live in a community where bad people are able to get weapons and do things to us because we're just living our lives, cutting our own grass. Those, those are the kind of people that, that have people that cut their grass for them, you know? And they're, they're talking from on high, from their luminous positions, as, as if though they identify with society, and they don't. What we really need to do is be training our society to be secure. You know, the, the more that we uh, divorce ourselves from reality, um, the, the, the less we will self-govern. And so that's what their whole aim is. Like, I believe the spectrum of, of uh, political policy stuff, you know, the policy spectrum from right to left. I know that we have a little bit of a difference with the, the society on this, but I think if you're far right, then you will defend liberty. Because I take, I take uh, um, anarchy off the scale completely because it's void of policy, right? So on the policy scale, if you're far right, you create policy to protect liberty. And so all of your government is designed to protect that liberty. And every click you go left from there, you will sell some of that liberty or give some of it away 
to cronies or collectivists all the way right. to total government. And so for us to think that we should be depending on some law enforcement apparatus to protect one another is, is clicking us over to total government because we are supposed to be self-governing. That is the principle of liberty is that we are supposed to protect each other. We, we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. So therefore, if my neighbor is under fire and I would call the police to come help me and I have the opportunity to help them, I should be helping them because that's, I mean, do to others what you want done to you. If I don't, yeah. I'm a hypocrite. You you have a pretty strong opinion of what you and I have spoken before as far as militias. Militias obviously get a bad name. Can you can you go deeper into your thoughts on militias and, and who what communities should have them and what they should look like? Because this is also an argument that the, the, the left and the anti-gunners yeah. make is like the Second Amendment is about a well-regulated militias. And sometimes I think is it's like, you know what? We should. <laughs> you know, we should have like what is OK, let's give them what they want. Should we create well-regulated militias by law-abiding citizens in all communities that will send terror down the spines of any potential assailant or lunatic? Is that I, a yes? I'm voting for Paul Dragu. <laughs> You're the one running for office. <laughs> Here's the deal. I think that an armed society is a polite society. I really do. If bad people go into a place with people surrounded by, or people uh, that are armed, they're surrounded by people that have guns, they generally act a little differently. They may have thoughts in their mind about doing negative things, but when they see the, there is no way for me to actually express my whatever and get away with it, they don't do it. They, they go after soft targets so they can fully express their rage and, and be satisfied before they off themselves, you know? And they're crazy. So, I mean, the, the place with the most guns, the most drugs, uh, the most money, all at one place, um, is never attacked by bad guys to try to, you know, to steal it. And that's the, the, the police evidence room. It's because it's surrounded by well-armed people that have right. been trained, right? And so our society is supposed to be that way. Who's supposed to be the militia? It's the citizenry. That's it, all the founders would be. Re, they would recoil at having us a, a specialized law enforcement uh, group that we are empowering to just protect us. And, and and the law doesn't even say that. The law does not say they're supposed to protect us. Listen, I, I really fully believe that the whole defund the police movement is stupid. Is based on a bad premise though some of their arguments are sound. I'll give you an example. I think we have to hire more police officers because we don't know and love our own neighbors. If we knew and loved, if you know you're five houses down and five houses wide, five houses deep, five houses wide, um, all those neighbors, and you guys are getting together from time to time, going fishing, going hunting, tra training together, cleaning your weapons together, um, chances are pretty high if something's going on in your neighborhood, you're gonna know about it. Yeah. If there if there are bad things happening, you're gonna know about it. I mean, they have conditioned us. They are, I mean, I think it's systematic, atomizing us. They used to build the porches on the front of the houses. Now they build them on the back. So you drive into your garage, you close the door behind you and you go on your back porch, which is surrounded by a privacy fence. So they're disconnected us from community. We're supposed to be loving and taking care of each other. You well, know, did they the disconnect us or did we, we kind of do it ourselves and perpetuate it ourselves, right? I, I think that we live in a society that is the psychology of man goes to the highest bidder. And generally, the highest bidder is the CIA. Okay. <laughs> the, the, the highest bidder are people that are very smart and they know how to market things in a way 
that's going to produce the kind of society that they can control. Big government uh, institutions are going to produce, they're going to create big government supporters, uh, big government acolytes. I mean, so, and they're going to attract those people too. Right. So they're going to. Do you think they've helped create a society now where we have these lunatics running around that's prompting them to say there's no way but to disarm the people, which also, yes. and then I want you, and then what aspect of, of fear of government tyranny does our right to bear arms play in this? Because apparently that's a tired, old, archaic argument If uh, from the left. They say that's no longer relevant. I find that hard to believe. I don't understand how that's no longer irrelevant, but you hear that along with arguments that, you know, if the government were really going to want to oppress you, you'd have no say in it because their weaponry is so much more sophisticated. Yeah. I just I mean, threw uh, a lot at I you. Would nope. just- I mean, I would just point to Vietnam, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? the most well-armed military in the world did a pretty poor job in Vietnam, taking out the Vietnamese, the Viet Cong, you know what I'm saying? What so about like, the Afghan, the Afghans? I mean, another example, you know, and now I'm not trying to say we should go there. I don't even want to go there, but I do. Uh, when the government fears the people, then we have peace. Yeah. When the people fear the government, then we have tyranny. Right. So, so, so oh, go on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, no, I, that's pretty much. I, I just wanted to close on like I think that every hundred, the community should be trained. We should be getting trained by our sheriffs or deputies how to operate as a voting precinct in hundred house areas. Like we should break it into hundred house districts, and each hundred house area gets trained together by some deputy. And you have the choice. Not, it's not like forced. Everybody has to do it, but all the counties should make it available. So you learn not just gun safety, but you also learn tactical stuff. Like, what don't you shoot at? What, what, what's your backdrop? Has, is this escalated to the point that you should even use your firearm? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the things that we need to know how to do to be able to communicate between the precincts at the poop, it's the fan. You know, it does no good for me just to be self-protecting in a community because I need to make sure that we are all working together. Otherwise, we could die by friendly fire. So anyway, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I mean... There, there's so much we could keep going on, but we're going to end up wrapping it up pretty soon. But I guess one of the things we get accused of is we don't have solutions. And I think we touched on a, a lot of them. And I didn't hear one silver bullet. And I think that's that's kind of some of the problem with society when, when, when it's presented to Americans or anyone else. You know, we say it's like, look, we live in a amoral society. We need to have a moral society. That's obviously not happening overnight. Are there anything that can happen quickly to where we can mitigate this or are our solutions uh, a long-term game that in the long term, in the, you know, we'll end up for the best, but there's nothing we can do overnight aside from perhaps protecting ourselves? Is that the, yeah. the quickest solution? Yeah, absolutely. Like truly, the tyranny happens fast, justice happens slowly. You know, and I think justice is the res- resolution of issues, right? And so th- there's no way. They, that's why they want to go to big government solutions. They think, oh, because you can do it and it'll affect the most people, that it'll it'll work the fastest. But no, generally it just creates more issues, unforeseen issues too. Um, but the reality is it's not just getting armed. Like I said, it's getting trained. It's it's, And I would say that as a community of people, we should be training together. We need to know our neighbors. Start today. I mean, yeah. you don't have to invite people into your house because there's some people you don't want to come in your house. Okay, but you need to know your neighbors. I mean, set up a send out. You can have them in the postcards. backyard, right? <laughs> send out send out a hundred postcards and meet them at the park local that has a bathroom. You know, yeah. we're just gonna get together because 
I just, we know, you know, just in case things are crazy right now, you know, we just want to get together and get to know one another. There, there are things that we can begin to do. We have to begin to do. There is no necessarily a silver bullet, except that you and your family and your friends need to get trained. You need to be armed. You need to be training together. You need to be training together in such a way that your community knows it. They may get a little afraid at first, but that's why we also need to go and know and love our neighbors, take care of our neighbors. If our widows, if the widow across the street, if her roof caves in, call forth your militia, which is the small group that trains together and go raise her a new roof. So that way you are also the most loved people in your community because you're taking care of the vulnerable. Find out, you know, where the, the orphan children are. In the Bible's time, and the orphan wasn't somebody who didn't have both parents. It was a fatherless child. I mean, the church has done a pretty awful job with single mothers and their children, but their children were supposed to be our responsibility. So as a community, let's, I mean, listen, the, the, the old lady's floor is broken because she had a leak and Mr. Fix-It's dead. I want to, let's go fix it. I'll pay you, you know, 60 bucks. Come help yeah. me fix this floor. Well, you mentioned fatherless. We were supposed to be on the last word, but let's, let's devote a minute to two. It plays such a huge role. I don't know what the stats are, but these people yeah. who are going in and doing this, do you have any idea or stats on on the fatherlessness aspect of this? We know that this latest uh, guy in, in Uvalde apparently had a rough uh, relationship with his father. A lot of the other ones, as we learned, didn't have yeah. a father around. And that touches on another aspect of society is demonizing men, masculinity. They have this yeah. term, toxic masculinity. Remember that? Uh, yeah. I like the explanation best that there is no such thing that is an oxymoron because max masculinity, real masculinity, would not be toxic. It would be healthy and it would be uh, a benefit to the community and the family. Protective, strong, uh, right. loving, um, forgiving, but brutal if you attack, Right. if you if you try to harm the vulnerable. And, and that's what I'm saying, like in this kind of community that we're supposed to be living in that's self-governing, we take up those duties as a matter of course. You don't find conservatives running around shooting each other up with AR-15s. I mean, there's, there's, that's never in the news, you know, <laughs> it's always, I mean, truly it's, it's somebody who has lost their minds. And so what we need to do is be able to mitigate some of that. And it's not the job of the government to do that. The government does everything poorly. They can't even do the roads. Well, I mean, they, they can't do the things that we've tasked them to do that are innocuous. We can't give them the most complicated and think they're going to fix it. Right. They're really going to make it worse. It's our job. We're supposed to be a self-governing nation. And, and if we don't, then we're just going to end up with total government and our problems are still going to be there. Yeah. I mean, so we, we got to take up our duties. If we don't take up our duties, there's with every right, there's a responsibility. And if you don't do your responsibility, then you will eventually lose your right. And we're supposed to be a self-governing nation. And that starts at the very basic, like taking care of and protecting one another, loving your neighbor. You know, if the widow's house across the street, the, the weeds are devouring it, go cut it. You know, I mean, find out who the people are in your in your local area that that are that are good people that that are moral people and and, and just begin to fellowship together the more a community is vibrant and self-governing the less they need total government matter of fact you start taking over some of the things the government's got like the socialism it looks like love because most of us the church and the, the populace don't look like love but if we're taking care of the widows you know we're growing some vegetables we're trading it with one another we're, we're not giving uh, ten thousand dollars a a year as it has a household to a multinational corporation on the corner who we give free land and we tax we don't tax uh, that's a million dollars in a house in, in a in a hundred house area 
you know, we're taking a dent out of that because we're growing some things, we're trading it, we're giving that stuff away. I mean, imagine if every household was able to take 10 or 15% out of that million dollars, that's $150,000 we can use in a hundred house area to take care of our widows and our orphans. Socialism has no power. If I don't have to send my money to Mitch McConnell and AOC to give it to my neighbor, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Zoe. Thank you so much for, for taking the time. And uh, thank you for your show, Two Way for Today, which, by the way, folks, you can watch on The New American. Uh, I know you've taken a break. You're working on a big project, and maybe later on we'll talk about that. But, again, thank you for your time, and thank you for, for these great thoughts. And, uh, and we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what happens. The Second Amendment is about the right to self-defense. It is an unalienable right, meaning we are born with that right. The government's role is to protect it, not grant it. The answer to dealing with dangerous people is not to disarm the non-dangerous, it's to empower the law-abiding so they may stop evil. The answer is healthy moral communities that don't create nihilistic homicidal lunatics. Here at the John Birch Society, we fight any effort that infringes on our constitutional and unalienable rights. As the effort against the Second Amendment ramps up, make sure to stay atop of the most crucial Second Amendment news by reading our affiliate magazine, The New American. And make sure you're signed up for our legislative alerts as we keep track of anti-Second Amendment legislation and alert you so you can push back against efforts to disarm you. So stay alert, stay vigilant, and stay in the fight, constitutionalists. And please share this with others. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. And remember... No matter the societal problem, freedom is the cure.